Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Colleen Conlon. She is an entrepreneur who specializes in helping women build strength, increase their metabolism, and ignite their spark to find their fierce. And she does all of this through kettlebells. We had such an incredible conversation about kettlebells, training, confidence, and what it can do for us as women learning how to be strong again. And it's okay to be strong, not about size, not about any of those things, but what happens when we feel strong and what that can do to our confidence. Colleen is an eating disorder survivor, and she owes much of what has helped her to overcome adversity in her life to learning the hard style kettlebell technique. It is her mission to support other women in overcoming their own challenges and feeling strong and fierce through the same, this same discipline. Thank you so much for this episode, Colleen, for sharing so much of yourself, your story, your journey, and what brought you here and the mission that you are on to make a difference in so many lives. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Colleen. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me today. Let's get to know a little bit about you so people can know more about you before we get into your conversation. So tell everyone, where are you from? Uh, I am originally from Queens, New York. I currently live in New Jersey and I have moved 13 times within my life. Oh, wow. And all within around like radius roughly of... Similarly, similarly, um, mainly throughout the Northeast. So, um... Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Delaware. I've kind of just like lived, lived, lived it all. Awesome. That's awesome. Are you a reader? I am a, a audiobook. So am I. So I'm an audiobooker. I love that. <laughs> I am too. There's a few that I do read, but majority is audiobook for sure. What, um, is there one book that has had an impact on you? This is a great question. And I feel like I'm going to give you kind of a strange answer. There's no strange. I hear all kinds. I'm trying to think what it's actually called. It's, um, it's a memoir. I believe it's a memoir or I'm, I'm really not that cultured as it comes to, to, to autobiography and it's about, um, one of the women who was one of the victims he held three women captive in his house in Cleveland, Ohio for about 13 years. I remember this story. Um, I remember in reading that book, it just, it made me feel a lot of things. Um, and I, I think it's really one of the, the things that has really made me want to 
to help women in particular and help women feel strong and and Mm. powerful. And I'm, I mean, yes, it's heavier. Yes, that is, but it's also powerful as again, right. We're talking that women, uh, women being able to share their story. It's something that I really appreciated about her stories. Um, and you know what? I mean, I don't know her firsthand, so I don't know if she left anything out, but she just shared so many extremely vulnerable things that happened to her in those 13 years that she was held prisoner. And the fact that she came out of it alive and willing to share, amazing. It, it, re- it really is incredible. Yeah, that is amazing. I will definitely look that up. And I think that that speaks to a lot of things that we talk about is creating space for women to really show up as they are, like not filtered, be real, like share your story, and it really can impact others. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because that has been on my radar. Um, Do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? Yes. Um, I've had several mentors who have impacted my life. I will say my current kettlebell coach, Annie Vo, has been a a huge help in in my growth and learning how to use kettlebells. Um, and just in like seeing another woman who's just so strong. So huge shout out to her. And I had two two females within the fitness industry really help me get started. Uh, when my journey began about seven and a half years ago, Rachel Vazirali and, and Randy Eisenstadt. And, you know, I think if, if I didn't have those two ladies, like I, I don't know that I would have actually entered the, the fitness industry. So huge shout out to them. And um, I, I love people who help to, to educate you. Um, and then I would say Jess Glazer recently went through her Empower University program. And I, I have my virtual business set up. And it's been, so awesome. it's been really successful thus far. And huge shout out to Jess for, for showing me how to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. No, you do. If you listen to the show, you will have heard Jess's name many, many times. And we're trying to work to schedule her on the show, which is going to happen. But it's funny because I have an episode with her and I think it's like number 28, 29 of mine. And I'm at like 180 right now. And it's early. It's that early. But in that, she was just starting Empower You. Just, and that was two years ago, two and a bit years ago. So it's amazing when you look at like what has changed. So anyways, yes, we love you, Jess. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quote or some kind of mantra that you live by? Uh, Great question. There's, there's a lot of quotes that really do speak to me. I'll say the biggest thing I actually have a, a tattoo on my body um, to represent it is you can you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. Oh, wow. Now, as, as a little kid, my mom used to tell me this anytime there was like a big task that was feeling very overwhelming. She would be like, Colleen, you can do this. You just have to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Isn't it funny? We get stuck sometimes looking at the big picture and we use that to overwhelm ourselves instead of that being a vision of what we can do. We look at it so big and think, I can't, like I, it's just too much, but it is only one bite at a time, one step at a time, one choice at a time, all of those things that continually add up, right? Absolutely. Oh. And I think that's the thing, like people, we, we really tend to overwhelm ourselves when we look at the big picture, but if you can just break everything down into little chunks, it's anything is really possible. Mm-hmm. Why do you think we do that? Great question. Um, honestly, and I, I, I'm not sure if there's any truth to this, but I kind of feel like it's more of an American thing. Oh, okay. So, we, okay. So, what makes you say I, that? I really no. don't have any evidence on this, but I feel like we're just <laughs> always in this um 
wanting more and we want to accomplish so much and it's all about like achieving. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of where mm-hmm. we, where we get caught up with just the big picture and it's hard to see the little steps. We just want to get to that destination. We don't want to enjoy the journey. No, I think that that's, I think it's so bang on what you just said here, especially about not enjoying the journey. I think that we look at that big picture sometimes and that becomes our self-sabotage of like, Ooh, I can't do it because it's too big. So might as well just stay here. And we do that in that self-sabotage form when really it's not, again, speaking of Jess, by example, look at what she's created in two years. But when she started, it didn't look like it did now. Like it didn't look like that then. So it's had room to change, evolve and grow. And everything we do can do the exact same thing, whether it's going towards a vision or breaking down an obstacle to get there. Absolutely. And I found that so much, even within my own training, I remember, um, like the first time I, I saw, I saw what a human flag was. I thought it was like impossible thing to ever obtain. And in, in working up to something little by little, and then like actually saying, no, this is possible. You just have to like know the pathway and know the the steps you have to take. It's really incredible to see what you can accomplish. Wow. Do you, so this lights a little bit into you, what lights you up the most? Like what is something that just drives you and keeps you going and lights you up? Um, honestly, um, I think my past, my, my past has really kind of given me the, the ability to, to stay lit because I, I came from a place of feeling extremely, self-conscious and having very little confidence and in seeing everything that I've been able to achieve, it really just pushes me to see how far can I actually go. And then in sharing that with my students and on social media and when other people are telling me that, wow, like what you're doing, it really inspires me to push. Like that makes me want to push that much further because I'm seeing that I have an impact on other people. So Mm. I would definitely say helping to inspire other people inspires me to continue to push myself. I love that. I love that. It's when we start to see how our message or our story can make a difference with someone else, it just becomes fuel. Sometimes it just becomes fuel to keep going. So tell us a little bit. I know some, but some don't like, what are kettlebells? Like what's, what's, what is, and, and yeah, just go because I'm going to let you, this is your area. Okay, great. Um, so kettlebells are this amazing magical tool. Um, they come from Russia and they, they changed my life. And I can't say that on a small note, like they, they really impact my life in a very cool and magical way. So, um, if it's okay with you, Marsha, I'd love to share a little bit of my story. Absolutely. Okay. So the way the story starts, I'm 17. I wake up one morning and I am immediately taken to the hospital. Now I have to back up before I tell you more about this hospital trip. So there's some things that you need to know. When I was in middle school, my best friend at the time, she told me point blank one day after school that the kids would like you better if you were skinnier. And that's how I developed uh, bulimia. And I struggled with it for about a decade. And I would wake up really early in the morning at like four o'clock. My school didn't start until like eight o'clock. I would wake up at four o'clock to get Mm. on the treadmill and run and burn enough calories that I felt like I I could eat something during the day. Oh my God. Okay. Can I just for a second, how old you said middle school. So just, can I just get a picture of roughly how old you might be? 
11, so 11, 12, you were already getting up 4 a.m. on a treadmill to run, to burn the calories, to be able to eat. Okay. Just want to paint the picture. Yep. Go ahead. And in addition to, to being on the treadmill, I was doing, I was doing all the crunches. Like crunches were like the thing I was doing. I would get like urges to just like drop even like during school to just like do a set of 10 crunches. Like it, it was, it was really bad. Um, so again, painting the picture, I was just like obsessed with getting in my crunches and working out to feel skinny, to feel accepted. Anyways, I'm 17 and I'm taken to the hospital and I'm having this crazy pain in my lower abdominal, uh, in my lower abdominals. And it's my appendix, but then they also find like this abnormally large ovarian cyst. So they take out the appendix, they take out the cyst. And then two weeks later, um, I, it's... <laughs> It's Christmas Eve, and I remember crawling to the staircase. Um, at the top of the staircase was my parents' room, and I it's like midnight, and I'm crying in pain, but I'm not loud enough. I can't get their attention. Oh. Um, and all I know is my dad eventually finds me, and they rush me back to the hospital, and there's like this crazy abscess. So then that gets removed. And then two weeks after that, they end up going back in because I'm still experiencing pain and they end up removing one of my ovaries and fallopian tubes. Okay. And after the surgery, I didn't have any type of physical therapy. It wasn't something that the doctors recommended. And um, I just remember how hard it was to, to walk. It took me about three months before I was able to like walk without help. Um, cause all of these surgeries happened back to back to back and they weren't all done laparoscopically. So I have like a really nice big scar down on my bikini. Okay. And the reason I bring this up is because all of the running, all of the crunches I was doing, I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. So all of a sudden, what was your way of not just coping, but was your way of thinking being doing, you couldn't do it all. Yeah. Um, I think what was really heartbreaking is, and I think a lot of people who've gone through stuff similar to me, you almost feel like you're in control of one thing and like, you're more dedicated to your fitness than anybody else. So it's like this one thing that you have. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, like I, I didn't have it and I was going crazy. And I don't know if you have gone through, um, abdominal surgeries for anybody who's listening, but like your body gets really weird afterwards, like all, like how big everything is. And I just remember looking in the mirror thinking it changes everything. This is so ironic. We didn't talk and I'm not going to steal the show from you just to to share. I've had 10 abdominal surgeries. No way. This is just too ironic. 10 abdominal surgeries, very aggressive endometriosis. My first cyst was at 14. I was hospitalized like unconscious at school. The pain was insane. And I remember the doctor saying to my mom, she just can't get used to the pain of her period. And I remember going, really, as a man, you know what that is like. But I was then I was told, went back to school unconscious over the span of years, ended up having multiple abdominal surgeries for endometriosis and then had full hysterectomy at 38. And with all of those abdominal surgeries, literally, I'm just five weeks shy of a back surgery, having a rod screws and a cube put in. I didn't have any injury, like nothing. I didn't hurt myself. They figure it was long standing, And the doctor's like, we could never confirm or deny, but 
I mean, years of abdominal surgeries and work. And I mean, I've stayed, I've stayed strong. This was the strongest I have ever been going into the surgery, but years of abdominal surgeries and work and trauma probably changed my spine in a sense. And I was like, the vertebrae were literally one and a half centimeters apart. So there was nerve, serious nerve issues happening and all these things. So anyways, yes, I understand like abdominal trauma. This is just too ironic, but yes, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, I, I, something that I'm actually going through right now is like figuring out, um, cause I'm, I've, I've had a lot of chronic pain in my mm-hmm. pelvis and I'm working with all these different specialists right now to yeah. figure out what to do. So it's just insane that you're bringing that up. It's insane. Um, yes. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. So sorry for everybody who's just listening. They're like, wow, what was that? But it's just, I had to, it's ironic that you did that. And I, 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 I have suffered from chronic pain and I wouldn't even call it back pain. It's abdominals, it's hip flexors, it's psoas, it's pelvis because there's trauma. There's been trauma there for years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, wow. It's really, it's really real. Um, I was actually just on my Instagram stories, like making it a point to people that like, this is a real thing and it's, it's, sure it's normal. Um, mm-hmm. But um, okay. So going, going back. 17, you have this done, then you three months learning how to like really be able to move and walk again. Yeah. So I wasn't getting back to my crunches. Eventually I got back to running the way I was able to, to, to work out had to be different. Cause anytime mm-hmm. I would do a crunch, I couldn't feel my abdominals. I don't know if you've actually gone through this then. hundred um, percent. I do not feel them the same way. No. It's crazy. So, so like for me, for anybody who, who hasn't had abdominal surgery, you know, when you go to the dentist and they numb you up and then afterwards it's still numb and you can like feel if you're touching an area, but like you don't feel it. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what it feels like to be in my body. Anytime I would try and do crunches or anything supine on my back, I would feel my low back or I would feel the front of my neck. Yep. So is it crazy? This is so bizarre. Anyways, it's so bizarre. Sorry for you listening, but this is just crazy. Go ahead. And then, you know, I got into, into the fitness industry and I started with group fitness. And if you go into any group fitness class, like they're doing a gajillion crunching type of variations. And I would feel so bad about myself because I, I couldn't keep up. Mm Mm-mm. And anyways, I, I eventually found kettlebells. I actually found kettlebells by accident. I was going in for a job interview to a, a hit studio that had a very heavy emphasis on using kettlebells. Mm-hmm. And I remember like in my interview, the, the man that was interviewing me was asking like, oh, so what's your experience with kettlebells? And I was like, oh, I've been using those for years. And he was like, amazing. Do you know so-and-so? And do you know this exercise? And like, well, are you a part of Strong First or RKC? And I'm, I'm just like, like, okay, well, clearly you, you know a lot about kettlebells. <laughs> I, I really don't. Anyways, I did end up getting the job, but I had to learn how mm-hmm. to use kettlebells, not in place of a dumbbell, but I needed to learn how to use them hard style, which is a type of kettlebell training. You know, my goal wasn't to change my body. My goal was literally to learn how to use this so I could, you know, keep my job and teach people how to use them. And in doing that, 
I started to feel my abdominals again. This is awesome. That's awesome. I mean, because they are all about stability, right? Like an yeah. understanding. And when you really, I mean, I have a background in as a kinesiologist and you understand how movement, one of the things I loved about it was that it is like you need mobility and stability. So you can't just stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch. That's not going to give you more mobility all the joints work together. So you need stability and mobility. And I was always fascinated by the um, kettlebell training. And I did some training myself, but with, and I sat in a workshop and I remember them watching about how you could actually, I can't remember his name right now, but they could roll a frying pan with their hands because they were talking about the grip that you need to use in order to be able to, master or be functional with kettlebells. Yeah. It's, it's honestly its own little world. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, that's something that's always a struggle to get across to people because we see kettlebells in a lot of places now, but the the way, the way that they really are intended to use is, is so specific. But for me, again, they were just an amazing tool because they, they gave me sensation back in, in my core, my Mm -hmm. body really started to change. And I started, I started to actually gain the body that I always wanted while being able to eat enough food that I didn't feel like I was dying or I had to wake up at four and I had to burn all these calories. Um, and in addition to that, the, the skills I was able to start doing, like, for example, I remember uh, one day a, a friend at the gym was like, go do a pull-up. And I was like, I can't do a pull-up. And he was like, go, just go try. And I got it. because Oh, my God. It, it's so much core, but it's also so much lats. Yes. Yes. And for, for me, seeing what I was able to do just by using this kettlebell, it really mm-hmm. started to build up my confidence and what I was willing to try, not even just in the gym, but um, I ended up leaving that company and I started working with another company. And then I ended up leaving that company because I, I felt like I was being undervalued and I wasn't mm-hmm. being given what what I thought I deserved. And then I went to another company and I actually got what I wanted. But if it wasn't for gaining that confidence with the kettlebells, I don't think I would have had the you know, the guts or the courage to, to have been able to do that moving, moving forward. So you almost, you stumbled into it by accident, which is really, really cool. So sometimes like the thing that can create shifts and change in our life comes by unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. And how can I ask you then moving through, like you made changes physically, how did, did the physical help with the mental going through the, the, the mental, emotional changes you had to go through? Cause it doesn't, we all know that we all have our own challenges, right? All of us do no judgment anywhere here at all, but I just want to paint the picture. I don't want people to think that it was all of a sudden it was done and gone and you were able to make that shift in your life. Was it just like really starting to use the kettlebells, helped you build the confidence, started to help you to make the change. And then all of a sudden it was like everything you're holding onto before from what you thought you had to do was gone. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. Wow. And like, so, I think it's a little ridiculous to literally give so much power to a piece of iron, but like, Marsha, I've, I've, I've brain dumped this stuff so many times. I've talked about it so much with clients and with my husband and it really, it really is because of that kettlebell that I started to gain the confidence to to step outside of my comfort zone. 
And I mean, from there, everything is a trickle effect. A hundred percent. There are people that I met that like helped to to build me up and Mm -hmm. allow me to, to push forward. But it really all did just start from a kettlebell. It's awesome. That is awesome. I think though, it's not ridiculous and it's not impossible when we think about how much emphasis was put onto one comment from one friend at a peak point in your life. Like if we think about it that way that, and you don't know how many times I hear those stories. It's like, yeah, I was heard by one comment by one friend. And if you were to even go back and ask that friend this day, they probably wouldn't even remember that they said it, but it's, it was impactful to you. Yeah. It's actually Mm -hmm. really funny that you bring that up because eventually, um, so this friend at the time, we, we lived in New Hampshire and Mm -hmm. then I started working for Equinox in New York city mm-hmm. and she actually came and she took one of my classes. Oh, Oh and my gosh. Found, and then she found me on social media mm-hmm. and she, she apologized. So she knew. Wow. Well, cause now, it, she was also young too. I'm not, I'm not sure. like, Absolutely. right. And you know, her whole thing was, um, I did that because I was really jealous of you because you seem to be so good at engaging with people and I, I was jealous and I'm just like, you bitch. Like I get it. <laughs> I get it. But like, yeah, but it was actually, it was actually really wonderful that she, good um, for her. that she did reach out because it was able to, to give me some closure. I don't know if it's been like weighing on her heart. Like, I mean, it's probably seems like such a, a little thing that ever happened in her life, but um, you know, her doing that really did play a huge part of who I am. And I honestly, I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have changed it because I think it's, mm-hmm. um, it, it's taught me, it's taught me a lot. So that to me is almost the premise of what we talk about in the show is the fact that we can't love ourselves and hate everything that has made me, made us who we are because those circumstances, those people, the situations that we've come across, sometimes as difficult as they are, they push us into the direction that we're actually meant to go into. And it's, it's a really interesting circle when you really go through it sometimes and look at it and go, you know, it's actually, I wouldn't be what I'm doing now if it wasn't for X, Y, Z. Do I wish I could have learned something in a book Um, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. But that's not how we, like we, you can read lots of things in books, but the things that make us who we are, we, and the lessons that we learn that are impactful, we have to live them. We absolutely have to live them. I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's funny. My husband really is one of those like book learners. He's like, if you tell me a lesson, I don't need to learn it for my, for myself. But me on the other hand, like I, I I I have to learn the hard way. I learned the hard way. I always learn the hard way. So this has made you really step into this space where you are doing, you've got online programming. I've seen you all over social media regarding kettlebells. I'm assuming there's a mindset piece to what you're doing too. Or do you coach people on mindset piece too? Cause you've come through quite a transformation. Just curious. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying all that. Um, I wouldn't say mindset is necessarily something that I coach. I have been told from a lot of my clients, like, wow, you know, the, the mindset part that you give me, it's unlike anything else. And it's very strange to me because like, that's, that's nothing that I I plan. (laughs) 
No, but it's how you speak. It's probably the message that you relay. It's how you're carrying it. It's that you're giving them permission to right, like really show up in their own lives. So you're probably doing it in a very subconscious way without even realizing it. I think you're right. I mean, the only thing that I really do to kind of like get into people's minds are, are two things. And one of them is like understanding what helps to calm you down because when it comes to kettlebell training, um, you know, what we're doing is very intense and very heavy. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times when people are getting like, so in their head, their face starts to like squish up. So I always want people having something that helps to kind of calm them down to keep their face relaxed. So the energy is better suited in other areas of their body. And then Mm. the other thing that we talk about is your why, Mm -hmm. and you have to know what your why is Mm -hmm. because eventually like you're not going to keep pushing if you don't know why you're doing this. So that is something that I do talk about with all of my, all of my clients. But other than that, Um, most of the training that I do is really focused in on kettlebell technique. Nice. Nice. What's your favorite kettlebell exercise to do? Such a good question. Uh, the swing, the swing is by far my favorite exercise. I'm actually, well, I'm a little bit on a pause right now because I'm having some additional issues with my pelvic floor, but, um, up until about three and a half weeks ago, I have been training to, to break the world record for the most swings done in an hour. Oh my gosh, really? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm scared to ask, what is the most swings in an hour? So it's all done by by weight in kilos. So I need, it depends on which weight I end up going with. Me and my coach are still kind of playing with a couple of different options, but mm-hmm. it's, it's over 36,000 kilos. So, oh, I see what they do. So they do the number of swings times the weight, and then that's the, okay. Um can I get a rough idea of what number they're talking? Yeah. So right now, um, one of the ones that we're playing with is sticking with a 24 kilo bell and aiming for 18 swings every minute for an hour. Yeah. 18 swings. Yeah. I've (laughs) good for you. I mean, some people are listening going, what does that have to do with? I just fascinated. I just want to know. And, and I mean, swings are such a great exercise, but I can't tell you how, as a, I have a, my background before this was um, as a kinesiologist. So I've always been about post rehab work and, and swings are a great, great hip hinge glute exercise. And I can't tell you how many people that we'd be doing it in classes. Like my back is killing me. I'm like, it's not a back exercise. Yeah. Like I just had back surgery and I was still doing swings until I love that I was doing swings. So before I went in for surgery, no joke. Um, it was very fast how everything happened before I went in with the day I went in, the anesthesiologist comes in, introduces himself and everything. And he's like, so I just turned 50 this year. My husband is 50 as well. And the anesthesiologist said, did I hear them say you do CrossFit? And I said, yeah, yeah. He's like, but like you stopped, right? I'm like, no, I just modified everything. I've modified everything up until, and when I asked the surgeon, should I stop? He was like, oh God, no, I need you as strong as possible going in. And it was funny. He goes, but you're not doing deadlifts, right? I'm like, oh my God, I am absolutely doing deadlifts. And I actually was strong at them because my whole posterior chain has to be strong. And the anesthesiologist is like, huh, never thought of that. Like you could just see this whole, and he's like, well, what else are you doing? I'm like, well, kettlebell swings. He goes, no, not with your back the way it is. I'm like, it's not a back exercise. But that's the crazy thing. And you know, I, I, I'm speaking to this from the, from the perspective, my, my father's a doctor mm-hmm. and my father is one of the most well-educated men I have ever encountered. 
but there is a difference between being a medical profession and being a, be, being a, a, a fitness expert. Yes, there is. Um, and there's so many people who work in the medical field and, you know, they, they're not healthy. No, oh, no. I tr- I saw a lot. Trust me. I saw a lot. No offense to anybody, but I saw a lot. And the surgeon, even he looked at me and he goes, have you been trained? Like he goes, obviously you're not going to go start CrossFit when you haven't done it. I've been doing it for four years. And I said, no, I just modify everything. I modify everything that I do. There's no pain that I incur, but there are things I am not like absolutely have to stay strong with. So the swing makes me laugh. people like, how could you possibly do it? I'm like, cause it's not a back exercise. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a interesting, I love, I love it. And I love what you're saying. And I, I used to teach at the college here and we used to do basic kettlebell training there. And, um, I'll still remember if somebody's listening, they, I would teach them how to do the Turkish get up with the shoe on their hand yeah. and their fist. Right. And you've got these big, big guys. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, really? It's not if the shoe drops, but it's just see if you can keep the shoe. Can you keep locked up? So we used to laugh doing these things. And it was just really, it's a very functional way to train. It's a very, very functional way to train, which also gets you focused on other things, which maybe that is something that helps with self-confidence, with self-esteem, with like just moving your body, you do have to have a why. And I would always encourage everyone to not have a why that has related to scale a number. And mine has always been that I just want to keep moving as I, as I get older, I want to be strong. I, do, I just want to feel strong. And when I, when I work out regularly, I can sleep better. I can cope better. Right. So you need those, those things to focus on. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's even something that I do encourage with all my clients as well. Like you need to have a, a skill-based goal. That's something that I do require with all of them. So be it like, I want to be able to do a snatch. Awesome. I want to be able to swing with two kettlebells, whatever it is. Like we, we have to pick something and work up to it because it's so important to like not be focused on the number, not be focused on fitting into a certain size piece mm-hmm. of clothing. I mean, I'll tell you, if you're really working up towards a scale that you are nowhere close to, I guarantee you're going to get a lot closer to that clothing size or that number on the scale, but not being fixated on that, mm-hmm. relax. And stress is definitely one of those things that we hold onto. And, you know, you want to see your body composition change, but it can't because you're so uptight about, about a number. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. And I think it's really important for anybody who's listening that when we are working on something, if we are in this space of tense, uptight and holding on, and that's holding our breath, that's holding like where we're at, that that makes a big difference in how we move and maybe the strength gains that we do have. So it's so much more, um, that's such a big factor. I love that you said that because I think we are too uptight about a, well, a so many things, but generally uptight. And I think that that's a really valuable thing that you mentioned. So who do you work with mostly? I mean, obviously things have changed COVID wise, right? Like we all know this, but how, who do you work with mostly? I predominantly work with women. Um, and the, the ages definitely vary. I have a couple of people who are in their later 20s. Most of my clients, I'd say, are in their late 30s, early 40s. Um, nice. But I do have women in their, in their 60s that are training with me. I do. Oh, I love men. that. Um, but I, I really do 
enjoy working with, with women because I <laughs> believe it's so important that we are building each other up and we are, we're becoming stronger. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that becomes, that can translate into a lot of areas of our life, being physically stronger, working together, connecting, collaborating, supporting each other can build us up internally as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That is awesome. God, there's so many things that I want to ask you, but I love, yeah, I love, I love what you're doing and I love the support that you are creating and what you're showing people is possible. Tell us a little bit about your signature program and what you do. Yeah. So I recently came out with a 12 week kettlebell intensive called swing to snatch. And it's exactly what it sounds like. We are going from ground level, like the most advanced thing that you're learning in the first half of the program is learning how to swing properly. And by the end you are, you are snatching and we are doing everything based off of, um, RKC testing bell standards. So your age, your gender, your weight all play a factor into what size kettlebells you will be using throughout mm-hmm. the, the 12 week course. And it's just been really incredible to, to be able to connect with so many different people, um, predominantly women, but, um, mm-hmm. I do have one man in the program right now. And awesome. It really is. And it's just so cool to, to see everybody coming together and supporting each other. And it really not being something where like you have to be in New York City to, to work with me up until this point, even though I live in New Jersey, um, I was just training in New York City. Um, so now like we have the Carolinas, we have Mexico, we have California. Yeah. It's just so cool to be able to, to connect with people on a bigger level. I think it's, it's, there's so many things that have changed because of COVID and how, what doors and it can create. And if you weren't somebody who was looking at this in the beginning and going, okay, how do I shift this to online? What can I do? What can I create? I said that back in March. I'm like, the faster you pivot, like the faster you pivot and show up and do something and serve your clients you will create lots of opportunities. But if you don't do that from the beginning, it's like you, it's hard to catch up. It's yeah. not that you can't, it's just hard to catch up. And I think we are, um, I don't know where you're at as far as what gyms look like there. Like we kind of float in and out, like we're open, but our numbers are down and environment's different. Masks, go to your square, keep your stuff. So there's even a lot of people who are staying active who are like, I don't want to do this from, I want to do it from my house anyways. So it's opened up a lot of different opportunities. Honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to a gym. I, I actually, I actually had a long conversation with a client this morning and, and I just said, I'm, I'm not. And he's like, I don't blame you. Like, I just don't blame you. Why would you? It's just not. I think that is one industry that is going to go through massive changes. It's impossible not to. It is impossible not to. So, I mean, good for you. That's awesome. Where do you, obviously, I'm assuming Instagram, but I shouldn't say that. Where do you hang out the most? Instagram, absolutely. Um, I am on Facebook a lot these days because that's how I communicate with um, the athletes who are in my 12-week kettlebell program. They have a private Facebook group. So Mm -hmm. I'm in there almost all day, every day, because one of the biggest pieces of the program is me being able to give them constant feedback on their form. So nice. they're constantly taking videos of themselves, mm-hmm. asking what do I need to improve upon, like what's working. So it's so awesome. There's, there's a lot of time spent on Facebook with with those clients in particularly, but other mm-hmm. than that, Instagram. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
I have a few questions I want to ask you. Um, I just so that um, people can just wrap, tie a bow a little bit more on this and everything you have taught them today. What impact do you want to create in the world? I really do want to help build women up to feel strong and fierce. That's awesome. Like I, I think if if you Love can it. develop a confidence in yourself to not question but just move forward and try. That's, that's one of the, the best things that you can have in life. You're not going to stop yourself. No, you're going to try. I, no, it's so, so true. Strong and fierce, physical and mental, emotional is those are just traits that will help you no matter what challenge comes your way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question I have for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most mm-hmm. grateful? There's like so many things that like come up in my mind when I hear that. Yeah. Um, I think one of, one of the biggest lessons I've learned so far is you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. just need to have the game plan and eat that elephant one bite at a time. That's, that is, I was wondering if that's where you were going to go with it. Just it ties it right back up. It's like one bite at a time and you can ultimately change your entire trajectory over time. You really can. Yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you for sharing your journey. And I will make sure everything is connected in the show notes so people can know where to reach out and find you. But I really, really thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. And it's also so wonderful to connect with somebody else who's gone through a lot of we had no idea we had no idea before we even started right i didn't i didn't know from your notes i had no idea it was that it's just yes it's very interesting it's very interesting again thank you very much for having me my pleasure thank you so much for tuning in to the own your choices own your life podcast if you love this episode please submit a rating and review on itunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast i love connecting and meeting you so please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or instagram stories at marsha van w and until next time remember when you own your choices you truly own your life